Welcome to the St. Helena Podcast, where we talk anything St. Helena. We cover everything from great island experiences to how we can make a good story go viral, one podcast at a time. Have you got a St. Helena experience, a topic to share? Do you want to join the podcast conversation? Reach out to us. Let's talk St. Helena. You can find us anywhere online or at the St. Helena podcast.com. This is your podcast creator and host, Johnny Klingham. Hi, everyone. Today on the St. Helena podcast, we're going to say goodbye to Arlen Holidays as we chat with Libby Weir-Breen of the Scottish-based Arlen Holiday Company, which will cease trading soon as Libby is retiring after 33 years. You might ask, what is that to do with St. Helena? Arlen Holidays has been selling St. Helena as a destination to tourists around the world since 2005. Libby, who many of you will know on St. Helena, has made over 16 tourist visits with groups to the island. During this podcast, Libby recalls her sea travel experience on board the RMS St. Helena, her trip on the very first commercial flight, and also her final visit to the island in March 2020 during the COVID-19 pandemic. My first question to Libby was, how did Ireland holidays began and when? I was doing the PR for the Shetland Tourist Organization, Shetland Islands, as most of you may know, uh, the islands to the far north of Scotland, um, Viking heritage and all sorts, fascinating place. And because I I realized quite quickly that their natural history was absolutely outstanding. And so I started targeting um, top-level journalists who I knew were interested in birding or botany or whatever. Um, And I didn't know enough to take them around with the depth of knowledge that would be needed. So I got in touch with a man called Bobby Tullock, who was the RSPB officer in Shetland. Um, And he came down and met the journalists and told them all about the island and so on. And he was a total natural with media. Um, And to to fast forward a few years, um, Bobby and I worked very closely together. We were very good friends. And he had always wanted to go to the Falkland Islands because his ancestors used to go down there for the whaling. They'd go up to Greenland in the, in the northern summer and then down to Antarctica and, and Falklands and there um, around that area in the, in the European winter. And he was fascinated also to compare a group of islands in the South Atlantic with a group of islands in the North Atlantic. And, he, and I got invited to go to the Falkland Islands in 1987 um, as a journalist as a writer. Um, and I felt sort of mean because I'd only just heard of the Vulcan Islands because of the war. I didn't know a thing about it. And he'd wanted to go there all his life. So I sort of got thinking and we had a chat. And I said, how about we set up a little company and we take people to the Vulcan Islands and you can go down on this trip and I'll go again at you know, a later date. But you take the place on this trip that I've been offered. Um, and and so that, that's what we did. Uh, he didn't really believe it would be possible. 
And he said, why should we succeed where everyone else has failed? Why do you love me, baby, you know? Um, <laughs> so that's how it all started. And we took our, he went down in November 87. We took our first group to Falklands in January 88. And it was while I was going down to the Falklands, I think I've been six times now to the Falklands. Love it. Um, and it was while I was on Ascension, I just opened up to tourism. Do you remember in, in the late 20th century, it, it was you weren't able to get onto the island as a visitor at all. It was, it was just out of bounds. Um, and you just sat in a little cage on the airport. And then it opened up and they opened a hotel. Um, I seem to remember the Obsidian um, minibuses still to be found running around uh, St. Helena. Um, and they opened the Obsidian Hotel. And so I, in, I was going down to the Falklands and I went three days early. So was able to stop over and have a look around, see what I thought. St. Helena wasn't in, in my head at all. And I, while I was there, the RMS was scheduled to come in and the atmosphere on the island was palpable. The excitement, the anticipation, it was, it was the romance of sea voyages as they used to be. Um, and I managed to arrange to get permission to go aboard and have a look round. And the minute I walked on that ship, I fell in love with her. Um, and very shortly thereafter, uh, I managed to arrange um, a, a visit to St. Helena. Thanks very much to Pam Young, who was just tremendously kind, um, gave up her weekend to show me around. And I, I just fell in love with the island as well as the ship. And so I thought, right, let's go for it. And he said, I'm going to do holidays to St. Helena. Where? <laughs> St. Helena. You know, where Napoleon was. Oh, yes. And that was the only thing anybody knew about the island. And, of course, it's got such depths that it, you, you get people through the Napoleonic link, but it, it, it's so much more than that. So that was how it all started. And I think I took my first group down to the island in 2005, I think it was. Pam was the tourism uh, director right. at that time. That's right. Yes, I, I, I recall that as well. Obviously, you'd come down to Ascension and on to St. Helena, or did you uh, travel all the way from the United Kingdom all the way to St. Helena? Uh, do you know, I don't remember for that first group. It must have been via Ascension, I think, because it was only a three-night stay. So I, I cannot remember. I'm sure I've got notes somewhere. Of, of what, which way I went and so on. It's one of the things I'm going to enjoy doing when I've retired properly. Yeah. Um, which was meant to be the 31st of July, but COVID's kind of put the kibosh on that. Too much clearing up to do. Um, so, yeah, um, I don't remember. I remember I just had three days on the island and then put the whole thing together and um, advertised it and got a group together and, and it went from there. Interesting. It was, it was wonderful. Do you recall how many trips you've actually done to St. Helena thereafter? Because I can remember I think, seeing you many times uh, arriving. 
I think 15 or 16. Wow. That's that's yeah. got to be a record for any tour company to sell and take people to the island. Let's talk a little bit about the RMS travel because there oh, are obviously yes. many highlights from journeys on board the RMS. Oh, I, I think the sense of community, um, the way that by the time visitors arrive on the island, they feel they're part of the island. And they see the same people walking up and down the street and they they feel that they kind of belong. Um, uh, that, uh, the, the, uh, and the, the games, you know, shuffleboard and the cricket match. <laughs> the cricket on deck, yeah. Yeah, and the quiz. Remember the evening? Oh, it's so competitive. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and the people, the, the crew were just a wonderful... Um, it the whole it was the whole experience, and the the gentle speed of adjusting to being in a new place, I think, was part of it. The sea voyage was always going to be the, a major part of that trip. And I'm sure that was it, also a highlight of selling the island uh, to your clients to be absolutely. able to also give them the great opportunity to do the sea journey 14 yeah. days on, at sea before you even get to the island. The, 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 only, the disadvantage was that the people who were working and couldn't spare the time couldn't get to the island. And that was the disadvantage. But that was the only disadvantage. And I think it's interesting how now that the airport has come, tourism figures dropped because people don't want to fly into the airport. They can do that anywhere. They can all say, oh, we wish, we wish we'd done it before the ship stopped and so on. <laughs> you mentioned uh, going to Ascension when you very first went to the Falkland Islands. Did you ever do any uh, excursions or trips to Tristan de Kuna? Yes, once, but not with not with clients. I was uh, very lucky to be a guest um, on a trip that went down for the 50th anniversary of the evacuation of the island, which was in 2011. And so I, I, that's when I got to Tristan. It, it was too difficult for groups. Um you probably wouldn't get berths on the on the ship because there was so much demand. You wouldn't be able to hold an allocation to give you time to sell it. Uh, and it was never going to work out. And the Agulis and the Edinburgh are useless because though you could be bumped off them, you know, at the blink of an eye. You can get all the way to Cape Town and then not be allowed on board because there's a medical emergency or something. Um, so you you. It it wasn't it wasn't wasn't good business sense to to operate tours to Tristan. Sadly, yeah, that's uh, that's correct. Yeah, you're right, and that would not be very viable at all. You not only travelled to to Saint Helena by ship, you were also one of the very first people to fly. Am I correct? You were supposed to have been on the very first uh, BA flight. I was on the inaugural. Yeah, okay. yes, I was. And what was that yeah. like? I mean, you've obviously oh. that experience from coming in by sea. And then landing it was, on it the was island. It was an extraordinary experience. The atmosphere on board. It was all nearly all journalists. I think I was in. It was one French tour person, but apart from that, um, it was journalists, and they were all top top grade people. Um, and everyone was a bit anxious as they were coming in and the approaches. And we had the. I think it was a senior pilot from uh, SAL Inc and the senior pilot trainer 
And so if they pushed it up, it was going to be seriously bad. <laughs> that would not be. But, that would not make good press. No, but when we did land, beautiful landing, and when we did land, even these hardened journalists were clapping. <laughs> and then we landed, and they brought champagne right down. The, so have a glass of champagne while we taxied to the to the terminal, um, and. They did a draw for the first person to be to disembark, so, you know, to the first person to get off an aeroplane. So that was rather fun. And the governor was there to be, meet everyone, and the pilots were there, one with a South African flag, one with Santelina flag, all at the bottom of the drum, a gangway. And it was, a, it was really very emotional. It was, of course, crowds and crowds of people had turned out. Um, it, it was... To be part of something like that is such a privilege. Wonderful. Obviously, you know, it was a great celebration that, you know, was well-deserved for the amount of effort and the history behind the airport and what it would do for the island uh, in its entirety. For anyone visiting St. Lena, what is the biggest attraction of interest for any tourists in and around the type of tourists that you or sold um, the island to? What's the biggest attraction? There is not one big attraction. Um, I mean, Napoleon obviously is the one that's best known. Um, people are always interestingly very unaware of the Boa connection there. And I, believe, I still believe that something could be marketed much more strongly in South Africa. There's the scenery, when you approach the, the island, it's so stark and threatening. And the minute you get into the interior, it's lush, it's beautiful, it's absolutely gorgeous. Um, so many endemic plants. I was very privileged to be there when um, with George Benjamin was still alive and to go out on walks with him, and that was just such a privilege. Um, the, the marine world is People just love them, and the dolphins and whale sharks, all these things. There's the diving, which we didn't do, but the companies that do diving, and that's very popular. Um, but it's, I think, basically, it's the people. The people are so special. Now, don't you go getting big-headed. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's, the, it's the people who are so natural, welcoming, they go out of their way to help people. It's, it, it's lovely. Um, and that it's a combination of all these factors that make it a unique experience. And I think, you know, like you said, the people, and I think anyone listening to this today should be very proud of what you've just described as, as an island. Because I don't know, I mean, I've not lived on the island for, for a few years, but I don't know if people locally appreciate what they have to offer just in themselves without, you know, looking at all the other attractions. Just the people itself makes it a great place to visit. Wouldn't you agree? I would indeed. It, it most certainly is. Um and it's it, it's all those elements pulled together. Let's talk about air access via Johannesburg. But do you think Johannesburg still remains a challenge for visitors and returning saints? Total challenge is dreadful. Um, I mean, just finding things for people to do because they have to have a day, an afternoon when they get there, and then a day, full day before they fly out again in the evening. 
and just finding stuff for them to do that's interesting um, it's quite a challenge. I mean, it's, it's, it, it's not an attractive place. There's just no way you can find anything that's really lovely about it. Um, one or two little bits and pieces. But again, people wanted to go to Cape Town because people love Cape Town and they, they add on holidays that you could do from Cape Town without too much. I mean, if you wanted to do an add-on for Johannesburg, you're basically involving a flight up to um, Big Falls or to to Chobe River or what can um, you in, in one of the game reserves, um, which takes extra time, extra money, and it's not nearly so attractive. Whereas in Cape Town, you land at the airport and and you're off and running. And you've got so many different options, and it's and it's a much safer environment. Um, certainly, is perceived as such by Europeans. Europeans are very frightened of, of Johannesburg. It has a terrible reputation. And of course, people need to have that confidence, confidence to even go out and around Johannesburg, which. From the media, that is not. There's, there's nothing that could build your confidence to do no. anything, you know, like an excursion or any, any tour, tourist attractions. If there was a European UK link to the island, do you think there's a possibility for a wider variety of tourists that would, yeah. would like to go to St. Helena? Yes, I do. Um, I think it would make a big difference. Um, no, Atlantic Star, we're going to. We put a huge amount of effort into getting things together, and I think it would be it would attract a lot of people who don't want to go via South Africa. Put it that way. Your course, the price would have to be right, and that's the o- that's the other attraction. So, yeah, but the, the the market is so price sensitive, um, increasingly so, um, and, and and so that would that would be a, a factor. But it's still expensive to get to Johannesburg. Absolutely, it's it, it, it's getting getting the right right price. I mean, Titan Airways are taking down a Boeing uh, seven fifty seven uh, this week or next week, and they they can actually take quite a few people. Obviously, there's limitations due to um, due to the yeah, isolation do. requirements on Saint Helena. Your last trip to St. Helena, I believe, was in March of this year, right at the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic outbreak. How did that impact your inbound and outbound itinerary? It was, for me personally, a total nightmare. Um, We had the first two days, we obviously got it Saturday. um, And then on Sunday, we had a lovely island tour. um, And then we went out to see the dolphins on the Monday morning and... The, the, the clients went round to the town with Basil, um, and they all—that's always a big hit. He's—he's he's a genius, that man, um, and they all adored the, the walk. And they set off on Tuesday morning. I wasn't going with them. I forget why. I, I had a couple of meetings, and uh, I was coming down. I'd been talking to Vince from the Independent, um, and was walking down from the consulate. Uh, down the hill and saw Derek walking up. Um, he's uh, leading our group. What are you doing here? You're not meant to be here. Um, and he and he, he said, you've got to go straight back to your hotel. <laughs> and it turned out that the, the two of the uh, construction workers who'd flown onto Ascension had developed symptoms 
because of no testing kits on Ascension, the American Air Force flew in test kits, but it wasn't going to get back. So we were locked into the hotel from Tuesday lunchtime. Um, it was quite amusing in a way because we all sat out on the terrace and drank wine and beer and had a nice time. Um, and a, a very nice group, which helped. And uh, and we went... we. We, till it came to dinner, and then we had to go and have our dinner in our rooms. We couldn't eat dinner together. We'd been sitting together all day. <laughs> Crazy, but there it is. <laughs> um, and, then, and then on Wednesday, got a phone call to go to the terrace, and was somebody from the health department um, saying that everybody else could go on, off on the tour except the two people who'd been sitting behind the people who immediately behind the people who developed symptoms. One of them was one of my clients and the other was me. And so we had to go to our rooms and we couldn't even go to the terrace from that was from Wednesday morning until we left on Saturday. And on Saturday we didn't even know until Friday evening whether we would be able to go and rearranging all the flights and everything. It was just a nightmare. Um and eventually we were told to, that we would go in separate transportation to the airport. So some chap came along to pick us up in a separate bag and we had to sit at the back of it. Um, and so as I said to him, I guess the rest of the authorities reckon you're expendable, <laughs> so like that. Um, and, uh, and then we got to the airport and just joined the flight as per normal. I think they just wanted rid of us. Um, <laughs> I kind of find it, I kind of find the risk management uh, uh, process very odd. Anyway, that's just an opinion. That's what happened. And it was deeply disappointing because I was going to have a supper party for my friends on the island, about 40 of us, um, which originally was going to be at Anne's place, but that burnt down the day before we got there. Um, hopefully everything Jane has got everything back up and running again um, but it was terrible for them um, but we managed to get it relocated to Rosie's but then of course we couldn't do so I didn't have my party I couldn't say goodbye to my friends and it was horrible so of course at that point you knew that was going to be your last it was my farewell trip it was your farewell yeah. trip and that had all yeah. been arranged unfortunately Due to the circumstances, it was not possible. Recovering from coronavirus and any thoughts or recommendations for St. Helena going forward? Because obviously the tourism market has, you know, come to a grinding halt. Any thoughts, recommendations? Oh, I, I, I honestly don't know because the market is completely decimated. Um, I, I guess the only thing you can say is hang on in there um, because people will want to travel again. And keep the the Centralina product in front of people so that it, people don't forget about it because they're going to be bombarded with people wanting them to go to their own destinations. The competition is going to be fierce. But it's a question of keeping the market in front of the people as much as possible um, and, and just holding on because there isn't going to be an easy answer. I certainly haven't got one. I don't think many have an answer for, 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 or a solution at this moment in time. What advice would you offer in a summary for anyone who has the desire to visit St. Helena? 
go. <laughs> go to St. Helena. Um, I think one of the things that always comes out is people are so surprised by the island. They're surprised by the variety, by the scope. And so often people say, oh, I wish we'd come for two weeks, not just the one. Um, and and I, I think the walking market isn't promoted as much as it could be. Because uh, when I've had walkers in the groups, they say, oh, I wish I'd be here longer. Um, and, and so that, that's a part of the market I think could be exploited a little bit more. I don't mean exploited in a nasty sense, you know what I mean. You've, after 33 years, you've, um, you've been selling island holidays and a big part of that has been St. Helena. Do you think there's room in the marketplace for someone on St. Helena to continue in your legacy selling St. Helena holidays as a package? Yes. You do? Absolutely, I do. Um, there's, it, it, people do, a, a lot of people will do things independently now, but when it's a place as unknown as St. Helena, people like to have something presented to them so that it's made easy. And particularly, actually, for the part where you're going through South Africa, and we we use excellent South African guides, and we offer extensions and all that kind of stuff. Um, and and that can be, yes, the market is definitely there, or it will be. It's not at the moment, but it will be again. Um, and I think people get a lot more out of it by going in a small group than by going as individuals. So that yes, there's some somebody on the island would. Um, several people on the island will make a good job of it. On the 31st of October, you're going to cease trading at Arden Holidays. What's next for you? And would you go back to St. Helena at any time in your leisure? I would go back to St. Helena tomorrow, but I haven't got very much money because you don't make money in tourism, I'm afraid. Um, so I, I think I think it would be unlikely that I would be able to return. If I could, I would. Um, I've got a lot planned, uh, a few mobility problems these days. So uh, quite a lot of it's sedentary. Obviously memoirs, um, cutting out the bits that I really shouldn't write. <laughs> um, so I've, I've got a working title for it, which is called I Shouldn't Really Laugh. Um, and some of the stories are wonderful, but uh, there are one or two which it's too easy to pin down where they belong to. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so I'm going to enjoy doing that. Um, and I'm going to start learning to play the piano again. Um, and I, I want to do maybe a bit of proofreading and things like that. So lots of writing. Um, I've got a book which I found in the Pribilof Islands in in um, 1991 called Libby, um, and it's a diary. The Pribilof Islands are in the Bering Sea, about 750 miles southwest of Anchorage. If you think Saint Helena is remote, you should try the Pribilof Islands. Um, incredible place, and and. I'd love to do a screenplay of this book because it was uh, the first, Libby Beeman was the first British, uh, first white woman ever to go to the island. And it's her diaries and sketches. And it's absolutely fascinating. So I'm, I'm sort of playing with, I've been playing with the idea of doing that since 1991. So, you know, it's a work in progress. But um, maybe I'll have time to do that too.
how very interesting. And thank you for coming on the St. Helena podcast today and actually sharing some of your experiences with St. Helena. Do you have any final words or advice for friends you've met and worked with on St. Helena as you say goodbye to Ireland holidays and what looks like goodbye to St. Helena? No, no advice. I wouldn't dare. Um, <laughs> but I just want to say a big thank you to everyone for giving me so much pleasure, happiness and friendship. Thank you all. Libby, thank you ever so much and happy retirement. Thank you. You've been listening to the St. Helena podcast. We want to thank you for listening and don't forget to subscribe to us. Contact us podcast at the St. Helena podcast.com. Support us by sharing our content with others until next time. Have a great week.